Hello and welcome to the Bored to Sleep podcast. On today's episode, planning permission. These episodes are intended to help you sleep and should not be taken seriously. The source is Wikipedia. Planning permission in the United Kingdom is the planning permission required in the United Kingdom in order to be allowed to build on land or to change the use of the land or buildings. Within the UK, the occupier of any land or building will need title to that land or building, i.e. ownership, but will also need planning title or planning permission. Planning title was granted for all pre-existing uses and buildings by the Town, Country and Planning Act 1947, which came into effect on the 1st of July 1948. Since that date, any new development has required planning permission. Development, as defined by law, consists of any building, engineering or mining operation, or the making of a material change of use in any land or building. Certain types of operation, such as routine maintenance of an existing building, are specifically excluded from the definition of development. Specified categories of minor or insignificant development are granted an automatic planning permission by law, and therefore do not require any application for planning permission. These categories are referred to as permitted development. In the case of any proposal, there is therefore a two-stage test. Is the proposal development at all? And if the proposal is development, is it permitted development? Only if a development is not permitted development would an application for planning permission be required. An application for planning permission should be made to the local planning authority, LPA. LPAs are generally the local borough or district council, although an application for mining operation, minerals extraction or a waste management facility would be decided by the local county council in non-metropolitan areas. Within a national park, planning permissions are submitted to the National Park Authority. All LPAs have their own website, which will access relevant application forms, contact details and other relevant documents. They are generally receptive to pre-application discussion in order to clarify whether a proposal will require planning permission and assuming that it does, the probability of such planning permission being granted. The law requires that all applications for planning permission should be decided in accordance with the policies of the development plan, unless material planning considerations indicate otherwise. The decision on any planning application is therefore policy-led rather than influence-led. Although the public and nearby residents will be consulted about almost any planning application, the decision will not be made on the grounds of popularity or unpopularity. The framing of the decision by reference to the published planning policy prevents the decision on a planning application being made on the grounds which are arbitrary, perverse or subject to impropriety. It is therefore most important that applicants for planning permission satisfy themselves about the relevant local development plan policies before making an application. These can also be viewed via the LPA's website or the UK Government's planning portal which provides a nationwide clearinghouse on the planning information and advice for both government and local planning policies. As a practical matter, it is very advisable to discuss the proposals with the LPA or an experienced planning consultant 
who can provide independent advice before incurring the fees and other costs that are involved in making a planning application. A number of different types of planning permission can be applied for. Full planning permission. A full planning permission would grant permission for all aspects of the proposed development, although it would generally be subject to various conditions. Outline planning permission. Outline planning permission establishes whether the scale and nature of a proposed development would be acceptable to the local planning authority. It might be appropriate when an applicant is seeking an agreement in principle to a proposed development without being committed to a particular form of design or layout. Approval of reserved matters. Seeking permission for those aspects that were not dealt with in an outline planning permission or seeking approval of aspects of a development which were reserved by a planning condition in an earlier grant of full planning permission. Hybrid. An LPA may accept a hybrid application, that is, one that seeks to outline planning permission for one part and full planning permission for another part of the same site. Once a permission has been granted, the following additional applications may be made. Renewal of planning permission. This would arise when an earlier outline or full planning permission was subject to a time-limiting condition which has since expired. In essence, this requires the entire planning application to be reviewed in light of current, rather than previous planning policies. Applications for renewal of an earlier planning permission are usually granted anew unless there has been significant change in the relevant material considerations which are to be weighed in the decision. Removal or alteration of a planning condition. As a matter of law, conditions should only be imposed on a grant of planning permission when compliance with that condition is essential to make an unacceptable development acceptable. So it would be refused planning permission were it not for that condition. If the applicant or developer wish to proceed with the development without compliance with a condition, or perhaps with the condition in an alternative form, then an application can be made to vary the condition concerned, possibly by deleting it or offering an alternative form of words. Note that the LPA cannot alter any planning condition which imposes a time limit when the development is to be commenced. That would require a reapplication for full or outline planning permission, but since October 2009 it has been possible to apply to extend an existing consent. The fee for each part would have to be calculated separately on the appropriate basis. Subject to any relevant maximum and the total would then be chargeable. An authority may also, following discussion, allow an application to be separated into core elements so that permission for site preparation work, say, can be given priority. Whether to accept a proposal in hybrid form is at the discretion of the LPA not something on which the applicant may insist. One should bear in mind that an LPA is empowered to require details even when the application is in outline, if necessary, in the interest of good planning. The term hybrid application is not defined in statute. In the United Kingdom, a planning condition is a condition placed on a grant of planning permission. Such conditions permit development to go ahead only if certain conditions are satisfied. Conditions include time limits on development, undertakings regarding environmental and noise issues, and limits on size and external appearance of a new development. 
Planning permissions are usually granted subject to a planning condition, which requires the development to be commenced within three years. Typically, they will also include a number of other conditions. For example, undertakings regarding environmental and noise issues, limits on the size and external appearance of a new development, requirements for the scheme to be built in accordance with the approved drawings, trees to be planted as per the landscape scheme and replaced if they die in the first few years, or that the colour and finish of external materials be approved by the LPA. Some of these will need to be complied with before any work starts on site, others will take effect once the development is commenced or later. Most conditions imposed on a granted planning permission will relate to the implementation of works within the actual site of the application, the edges of which must be defined by a red line marked on an accurately scaled map of the site, usually an ordnance survey extract, accompanying the application. If there is a need to control aspects of the development which are required to occur outside the defined application site, such as related highway improvements, then the implication of those aspects can be required by a Grampian condition. This would be worded to the effect that the development being permitted must not be commenced, or must not be occupied as appropriate, until the required off-site works have been completed. Planning conditions are imposed to require that something is done or not done by the developer in order to make the development acceptable. Sometimes, planning permission will only be granted, subject to the applicant entering into a legal agreement, under Section 106 of the Town and Country Planning Act, requiring that certain things be done or money be paid to the LPA, for example, to continue towards the improvement of local highways, schools, open spaces or other facilities serving the development before the development is completed or occupied. Such contributions can only be required if they are necessary to make the development acceptable, reasonable and relate directly to the development proposed. The planning permission system has been criticised for being too slow, bureaucratic and expensive, thus contributing to the housing crisis in the UK. As of January 2015, there are 150,000 homes waiting to progress from the outline planning stage to the detailed planning stage. Town and country planning in the United Kingdom is part of English land law, which concerns land use planning. Its goal is to ensure sustainable economic development and a better environment. Each country of the United Kingdom has its own planning system that is responsible for town and country planning, devolved to the Northern Ireland Assembly, the Scottish Parliament and the Welsh Assembly. The roots of the UK town and country planning system as it emerged in the immediate post-war years, lay in concerns developed over the previous half-century in response to industrialisation and urbanisation. The particular concerns were pollution, urban sprawl and ribbon development. These concerns were expressed through the work of thinkers such as Ebenezer Howard and the philanthropic actions of industrialists such as the Lever Brothers and the Cadbury family, and architects such as Raymond Unwin, and Patrick Abercrombie. The Housing and Town Planning Act of 1909, the Housing and Town Planning Act of 1919, the Town Planning Act of 1925, and the Town and Country Planning Act of 1932 were initial moves toward modern urban planning legislation. By the outbreak of the Second World War, thinking was sufficiently advanced 
that even during the war, a series of royal commissions looked into specific problems in urban planning and development control. These included the Barlow Commission, 1940, into the distribution of industrial population, the Scott Committee, into rural land use, 1941, the Uthwatt Committee, into compensation and betterment, 1942, the Wright Report, into new towns, 1947. Also, Patrick Abercrombie developed the Greater London Plan for the reconstruction of London, which envisaged moving 1.5 million people from London to new and expanded towns. These intellectual efforts resulted in the New Towns Act, 1946, and the Town and Country Planning Act, 1947. The 1947 Act, in effect, nationalised the right to develop land. It required all proposals, with a few exceptions, to secure planning permission from the local authority, with provision to appeal against refusal. It introduced a development change to capture the planning gain which arises when permission to develop land is granted. This was abolished by the 1954 Town and Country Planning Act, passed under the subsequent Conservative government. Green belts were added in 1955, a government circular. Furthermore, the 1947 Act introduced a requirement, which still exists, on local authorities to develop forward-looking policy documents, such as local plans, or unitary development plans, to outline what kind of development is permitted where, and to mark special areas on local plan maps, today referred to as policies map. It did not introduce a formal system of zoning as used in the United States. Countries developed structure plans that set broad targets for the wider area. Structure plans were always problematic and were often in the process of being replaced by the time they were formally adopted. Over the years, the planning system has undergone a number of alterations which were consolidated in the Town and Country Planning Act 1990. Section 106 substantially rewrote Section 52 from the former Act, settling the concept of agreements, known as planning obligation agreements, or more commonly, Section 106 agreements, under which the developer is subject to detailed arrangements and restrictions beyond those that a planning condition could impose, or by which they make agreed financial contributions beyond the immediate building works to offset the development effects on the local community. This was soon amended to allow a developer to self-impose obligations to preempt objections to planning permission. This prevents the planning authority from blocking a permission by merely failing to negotiate. Three further acts related to planning are associated with this primary act. The Planning, Listed Buildings and Conservation Areas Act, 1990, the Planning, Hazardous Substances Act, 1990, and the Planning, Consequential Provisions Act, 1990. These four acts are referred to as the Planning Acts. Almost immediately after Parliament passed these acts, the government had further thoughts on the control of land development, which led to the Planning and Compensation Act 1991, which made important alterations to many of the planning provisions. The Planning and Compulsory Purchase Act 2004 made substantial changes to the English development plan system, It did away with both structure plans and local plans in favour of local development frameworks, or LDFs, which are made up of a number of local development documents and supplementary planning documents. The Regional Spatial Strategy, RSS, 
which is produced by the regional assemblies in England, replaces the structure plan as the strategic planning document. A variation on this approach exists in Wales. Local authorities are also now required to produce local development schemes, which outline the work the LDDs, SPDs, they intend to produce over a three-year period, and statements of community involvement, which outline how the council will involve the local community. All LDDs and SPDs also have to be accompanied by a sustainable appraisal and a strategic environmental assessment. The SEA is a requirement under European laws. Planning policy guidance notes are also being gradually replaced by planning policy statements. Minor variations were allowed to planning permissions, recognising that information provided for planning permission does not provide enough detail for actual construction. Working drawings are required at first, and architects often make small changes to accommodate a building's technical requirements. Also, plans might change on-site to overcome unforeseen problems. Legality of minor amendments was changed in 2006, and central government advice to many local authorities was that any variation to a planning permission should require planning approval. The Localism Act 2011 introduced wide-ranging changes to the planning system in England. The bill introduced legal provision under which local communities, led by parish councils or neighbourhood forums, could develop neighbourhood plans. Similar to development management documents produced by the local authority, neighbourhood plans have statutory weight, so that they are considered in the determination of planning applications. Historically, planning applications were submitted in paper form to the designated council offices and displayed for a statutory period at public libraries or offices. In December 1995, the London Borough of Wandsworth created a website that published electronic images of planning application documents. This technology greatly improved access to application-related documents for all participants in the planning process. Within 10 years, most planning authorities in the UK followed suit. Other access methods now include routing inquiries through a centrally hosted public or privately hosted website, such as UK Planning or the National Planning Portal. An applicant may appeal against a refusal of planning permission. A neighbour who objects to an application has no right to appeal, but may appeal to the local authority ombudsman if they can make a case of maladministration by the local authority. In such a case, the ombudsman has no powers to enforce a retraction of the permission, but it may sanction the local authority. Appeals can be made, in England, to the Secretary of State for Communities and Local Government, in Northern Ireland, to the Planning Appeals Commission, in Scotland, to the Scottish Government, Directorate for Planning and Environmental Appeals, or a local review body of the local planning authority, in Wales, to the Assembly. In England and Wales, the appeal is heard by a planning inspector, while in Scotland, this role is filled by a reporter. There has often been talk of making the inspectors independent from the government ministers, as in the Planning Appeals Commission of Northern Ireland. The requirement to obtain planning permission extends not only to new construction, but also in substantive changes to uses of a property. There are various use cases, and change of use to a different use class generally requires planning permission. The main use cases, excluding Scotland and Northern Ireland, both of which have separate but similar orders, are A1. Shops A2. Financial and professional services A3. Restaurants and cafes A4. 
Drinking establishments. A5. Hot food takeaways. B1. Businesses. B2. General industrial. B8. Storage and distribution. C1. Hotels. C2. Residential institutions. C3. Dwelling houses. C4. House in multiple occupation. D1. Non-residential institutions. D2. Assembly and leisure. Classes A3 to A5 were formed in the 2005 amendment by a split of the previous A3 class of food and drink, though this split is not reflected in the amendment.